Well, I want you to get ready to start the next message with me in our Out of the Box series, and I'd like for you to turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and over the next couple of, uh, next couple of Sundays here, I'm going to deal with how God works out of the box, how he does that, and just kind of with the trappings of Christmas, they're okay. There's nothing wrong or evil with them. It's just that we have this... this preconceived expectation of how things should arrive to us and the process in which they should arrive and how they are. It's pretty bows and boxes and wrapping paper and all this beautiful, nice stuff, but it just doesn't happen that way when God works with us or he delivers something to us or out of us. And so God arrives to one young teenage girl in the Christmas story by the name of Mary, and this is going to be out of the box for her. It is going to challenge her big time. And sometimes what you can do is you can separate the Christmas story, the real true story, as that was them, this is me, their case is different than my case. Please don't dumb down God's people or the word of God by thinking you're special outside of them, and your case is different from them. The word of God was made to help you and me know the love of God and overcome in this world through the power of Jesus Christ. So let's not separate that. That's cute baby Jesus in the manger doesn't relate to me. How many of you know he's Emmanuel, God with us? He, he is touched by the feelings of your infirmity. So don't disconnect yourself from this because there are things that God wants to take out of the box, but there are things that the world will put to destroy your destiny and purpose. So let's start with this young lady, this teenager. Can everybody say teenager? Yeah, I know, because when you see a lot of teenagers, you just roll there, roll your eyes when you see them doing some things. But let me tell you, this teenager had it together. So let's go to, first, uh, to Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid. Mary, the angel told her, you have found favor with God. Man, man, don't you want that? Found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. This is the word of the Lord. His kingdom will never end. So here's the God of the universe, and he's looking down, and he says, I need, to find, I need to find a vessel whereby the divine seed can be imparted to bring forth the most greatest miracle 
that will save mankind. And when God's looking all over the whole world and he's trying to find, he's, he looks over the whole world and then he chooses, he chooses out of the box this obscure, poor, peasant, if you will, young teenage girl, a Jewish girl by the name of Mary. You're looking for everybody. Wouldn't, wouldn't you want to get the affluent, the people that everybody knows and people think are credible and the people are well-known? And wouldn't you, wouldn't you going to get somebody like that? But no, the Bible says that God goes out of the box and picks this, chooses this young lady who loves God with all her heart, that's poor, living in obscurity, little teenage, teenage Jewish girl, and God says, I'm going to move out of the box, and that's who I choose. Out of the box. And Mary's one of the best-known women in the Bible. I mean, in the New Testament alone, what she mentioned, what, 51 times? She's mentioned in the Bible, and people say, what's so special about this teenage kid? I mean, you would maybe walk by, maybe in that day, like any of these other teenage girls, just walk by and not think a thing. But what made her so special? And what made her so special was that she was so unspecial, if I can say that. She just was an ordinary teenage, run-of-the-mill, peasant teenage girl that giggled with her friends but loved God and unbelievably and extraordinary, God says, I'm going to pull something out of this that's going to change the world, going to change the world. And he brings it out of the box. But we think that God ought to perform our miracles, save our marriage, help our money, help me with my situation, my relationship, and it should come this way because that's the way he delivered to the other people. It should come a nice way. If I'm going to get healed, can Brother Sam bring in some prophet that I've been watching on, uh, on, on social media, and he, I, she does miracles, he does miracles. That's what it's, I'm not dissing that. I'm just telling you that sometimes it just doesn't arrive the way you want it. It just doesn't. And so many people are kept in the box because they want to stay confined to the way they think God ought to do it. Or, or, there's something that God wants to bring out of them and take out of the box, but God can't because we allow Satan and the world to build walls that contain you from not coming out of the box to fulfill your purpose and destiny, what God intended for you. There's something that's supposed to come out of you, sir, and it still hasn't. Young man, there's something that God wants to come out of you, but you've let the walls of the world or Satan or maybe your own voice that he has used you as a ventriloquist and he's using your voice and you believe your voice over everybody else's voice and you keep this and say, it just won't happen for me, it won't happen for my family, it won't happen for my life, and we keep ourselves contained because there are walls that the enemy builds and we allow him to keep up, but God says, I'm gonna change those walls. I'm getting ready to bring you out of the box. How many are you ready to come out of the box and let God use you? <laughs> Satan will keep you in the box and build walls from you thinking, I can never come out and fulfill God's purpose and destiny. You say, well, pastor, what, what happened here? Well. God's going to bring something great out of you just like he brought out of an ordinary little peasant teenage girl. And he's going to bring something out of you. But what happens so many times is that walls come up. And when Mary is encountered, there are so many walls this girl could have left up. I mean, anybody else would have gone through this, we would have probably been destroyed and never filled our destiny because there's this wall. The first wall that always seems to come out is when God begins to tell you something or God wants you to do something, the first thing that Satan always seems to use 
is consternation. There's like this spirit of fear that always seems to bind us, that there's no way I can accomplish it, there's nothing I can seem to do. In fact, when you find Mary here at the very beginning, can I tell you that just a little bit was that she really was a little fearful because even the angel, Gabriel, he identifies it. Look what it says. It says, confused and disturbed. Now, I'd have had the disturbed part there, down. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. He says, what does he say to her? What's, what does he say to her? Don't be afraid. I think fear is the biggest thing that holds so many people from stepping out. Do you know there are some people that are watching online and, and maybe even in here today that you won't give your life to Jesus Christ because you're afraid that somehow you're going to be paraded up here. Somebody's going to see you and you are intimidated from coming to Jesus Christ. How many believers are afraid and you still have not told your friend about the Jesus has changed your life because fear is keeping you in that box? How many, how many businesses have not started yet because fear and consternation? Well, you see the economy. I mean, you about the economy. I, I, I can't step out. There, there are people that are afraid, held in the box, purpose and destiny because fear, consternation. And fear could have been the first thing that took her heart. I mean, confused and disturbed. Now, come, if, if, look, if a nine-foot angel appeared to you while you were all alone in your prayer closet, would that not disturb you just a little bit? Okay? I, I'm sorry, but I would have messed myself. A nine-foot angel appeared. I know people say, oh, Lord, just let me, give me a sign. Just appear before me and let me just see you, Lord. I'm just telling you, I think it would just scare the bejeebers out of you. And he saw it. There must have been something he saw in her confused and disturbed where he said, don't be afraid. You've been praying. You, you've, been, you've been coming to God. Don't let this shock you. Don't be afraid. And then the request. And I think that's the number one reason why so many people Never see the exciting side of God. It's because you want control. But the moment you step out and God tells you that something's going to happen or he wants you to do something, here's what happens to you and me. Consternation and fear because you and I feel like we have to control this. I've seen it done with marriages. I've seen it done with families. I've seen it done with businesses. I've seen it done with churches. I've seen it done with people's, with people's destinies. And they won't take a step because they're afraid. Maybe one of the reasons you're not married is because you're afraid to ask somebody out on a date. It's a good place to go ask somebody here at this church. All the singles said amen. Oh, boy. We can get... But the thing is, is whenever God wants you to move outside of the box, the first thing that begins to happen to us is we begin to live in this spirit of fear. Somehow, some way, this, what if I fail? What if, what if this is not God? What if I haven't heard God and live in fear? And the reality is this, is the real issue is, is when you surrender to what God says, you have to give up the controls and say, if I believe your word, I got to give up my control and my pride, and I got to say, Jesus, I need you. I got to worry about the fear of being rejected by my friends at high school and release the controls that God is in charge of my life, and I don't need to worry about what they think. Fear is what grips us. But here's the thing about God, and here's the thing you need to understand you can either have faith 
or you can have control, but you cannot have both of them. When it comes to your marriage, your home, you either have faith for it or you can have control, but you can't have both. You can try to control your husband, control your wife, control your kids, but at some point you gotta trust God. Can someone say amen to that? That's the reason why faith can't operate because people want so much control. They want it done their way. They want the package to come their way. But yeah, God, but you're going to ask me to move. What if we don't get in the right neighborhood? What if my kids don't meet the right friends? What if we don't get in the right school system? God says, if you want to see me operate, you got to get out of the box. You got to quit living in fear and consternation. So how do I give up the control? It is called surrender. You must surrender to what you have heard God say to you in your private time. I was thinking about my private time with the Lord, and uh, I was getting out here worshiping and just having myself a time here. But I will tell you, my greatest times of worship, and I love worship with y'all because it's a blast, and if you think this is great, you ought to try worshiping all by yourself when nobody's around. It is the deepest time of worship when you're all by yourself, just you and the Lord. And when she was with the Lord, something happened where Mary all of a sudden decided, I'm going to listen to, the, listen to the Lord. Now look what the angel said to her in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, 33. He says to her, watch this, here comes the word. You've got to surrender to what God says. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, his kingdom will never end. Gabriel is giving a word from God to this servant. Now look at Mary's response. Look at this. Luke 134. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. This is not an act of doubt, everybody. Some people think this is an act of doubt. This is not an act of doubt. She received the promise. She just didn't understand how the process would work. That's her point here. It's one thing when you say, God, I don't understand the promise, but I cling to the promise. She said, because here's what I know. I'm a teenager. I have protected my virginity. I have served the Lord God. I know the word of God. My heart is to serve the Lord. So I know that there's got to be a process to have a kid. And I know I, have, I, I got to sleep with my husband, and we're going to have a kid. So you tell me this is going to happen but Lord, I received the promise, but you're gonna have to help me with the process. God has no problem with you saying, God, just help me to surrender to the process. So there's not doubt here. She totally surrendered to the Lord. Now the reason I say this is because there was another guy that heard something similar to her just a few months, just several months earlier. And his name was Zechariah. He was a priest, a preacher. Isn't it amazing? The teenager could hear from God, but this preacher couldn't hear from God. Seasoned. Been in the church a long time. You got to be careful the older you get with God that you don't get in so much control that you can't hear and a younger generation can hear from God. Well, that's not the way God worked. Well, maybe that's what he's going to do. Watch this. Here comes Zechariah, he's offering incense in the temple, and the angel, angel Gabriel, same angel, appears to him and tells him, Zechariah, I've got good news for you. The stork 
is coming to your house. Zechariah goes, what? I know your wife, Elizabeth, is barren. But you're getting ready to hear the pitter-patter of little feet running through your Cataluma. <laughs> it's going to run through your house. What? And Zachariah's response, listen, he almost heard the same thing, very similar to what a teenage girl heard. Here's a mature believer that's in the church, offering, serving in the church, worshiping the church, but responds with doubt instead of faith. He's having a problem with the promise and the process. Look what he said, Zachariah said, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. She's, a, she's past years of being able, childbearing years. This isn't gonna happen. There's just no way this promise can occur. Zechariah doubted the word of God through Gabriel when you find Mary surrendering to the word of God because he's saying, I've always been in control. I can control this because my body says it cannot happen. And look what the angel said to him. Here's how we know he doubted. Look at verse 20. Luke 1 20, since you didn't believe what I said, you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak to the child until this child is born. Listen, friends, I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't want to be in church so long that I don't have a voice anymore to speak to the generation that's following behind us. We're 90 years old in this church. And I'm going to tell you the reason why you're still relevant and still reaching people and people recognize what you're doing as a church is because you're saying, God, whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do it as a church. We don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to get it done. And I promise you, if you'll do that, you'll always have a generation that's coming behind you that'll want to hear what you have to say. Can somebody give praise in this house for that? He said, you won't be able to speak until the child is born for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. So how do I give up the control? Mary just, Mary just didn't, you're going to see this later on. Mary just didn't hear from an angel. She has been listening for a long time. And you're going you're to see this in just a moment. She has no, she's no novice that all of a sudden I'm in trouble. I've got something. I've got to trust God. I've got to go run to church and I've got to start studying the Bible. No, this lady has been in the Word as a teenager. She is no novice to the Word of God. And I'm going to show you very clearly she was no novice to the Word of God. As a teenager, no novice. No excuses. Got into the word. You begin to see this lady. She's been hearing and she's been hearing. That's the reason why Paul says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by what, everybody? By what? By hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. You've got to choose the right information, the word of God, and you don't just hear it once. Well, I've heard that. Well, I've heard that. There's some people not even taking notes this morning because we are so spiritually, so above everybody else that we already know it all. I'm preaching better than you're letting on. The Bible says faith doesn't come by, I heard that. Well, I heard that. I watch people when missionaries speak sometimes. They say, well, I've heard that. I've heard missionaries. I don't heard that. No, faith cometh by not heard, but hearing and keep on hearing and keep on it. It's an action of continuous action, continue hearing, hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing so that when the word does come, you know you have heard from God. He's hearing the word of God. In fact, can I just simply tell you something, church, that when God gets ready to change you, he's gonna change the way you think. 
The reason why some people never change in their life is they will not change the way they think. And when God gets ready to change you, he's gonna change you by changing your thoughts. But the way that he changes your thoughts, your thinking is by the way you are hearing. But when you start changing what you're hearing, the word of God, you will start changing the way you are thinking. And if you start changing the way you're thinking, then you'll start changing what you're doing. And when you start changing what you're doing, then you'll start changing your destiny and you will actually come out of this box. The reason why some of you are not experiencing the fullness of God is you have to change your hearing, to change your thinking, to change your thinking, to change your doing, to change your doing, to change your destiny. How many ready for a destiny change by starting with, I'm gonna change what I am listening to? If not, you will always be bound by fear to receive every good thing God has for you. Saying there's no way, there's no way. You're gonna get, you aren't even saved, there's no way. You got too many hangups, there's no way. But she kept on seeking God, she kept surrendering to God, and what happens is, is the wall of consternation ends up turning into a wall of determination. She's courageous. She has, listen, I'm gonna tell you, some of you are gonna wait till you get sick, wait till you go broke, wait till you get a divorce, and you're gonna run to God. That's a good time to run to God because that's what David said. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I listen to God's word. God had to kick my tail before I'd start listening to him. So many of us are here because of that, but we learned something. You don't wait to go bench press 300 pounds of the burdens of the world and not be working out all, week, all, all year long. You will strain yourself, you will hurt yourself, and you will crush yourself. But boy, if you'll start out with that little five-pound dumbbell because you feel like a five-pound, I feel like a dumbbell, but you just keep working that one arm and you keep working that one arm and then you start walking around the block, then it's two blocks and it's three blocks and it's a mile, then you're on the treadmill. How many know then all of a sudden when you're ready to take the 300-pound weight of the burden of your marriage or your kids or the culture, you can lift it because you have been hearing the word of God. And that's why Mary could take this, everybody. She wasn't bound by doubt and fear and unbelief. She had a courage and a determination as a teenager, not a senior citizen, a teenager, she had this determination for one reason. She believed the word of God. Look what she said in Luke 137. For the word, she said after she heard this, for the word of God will never fail. It'll never fail. And the moment she did that, Fear didn't get her, consternation didn't have her, anxiety didn't have her, panic didn't have her, doubt didn't have her. And friends, I'm telling you, you are living in a world where there is panic everywhere. We are watching the Middle East like a time clock and just wondering when is somebody gonna do something crazy and all of this goes away. Some of us are so worried about, we are so worried about the next pandemic we are sitting there hiding in a hole. Some of us are so afraid we're gonna go broke that we never know generosity. Let me tell you something. Keep following the word. Trust the word of God because God's word will never, ever fail. I'm watching this. I'm watching believers fall apart. I'm watching this world fall apart. And I can tell you this, as a believer, if you will cling to him, like Mary, this teenage girl, she was not a novice, everybody. She started going after God. She just started going after God. I can promise you this, friends. 
Everybody else saw her world was falling apart. Her world was not falling apart. It was falling into place. And I can tell you, friends, I have stood on the Word of God a long time in my life, and as many of you have. And when something crushes everybody else, why are you not crushed? Why are you not falling apart? You say, God, I don't understand it, but somehow I believe that something is falling into place because the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And I can tell you that someone who owns a Bible that is falling apart is usually a person that is not the one falling apart because they are the owner of that Bible that is falling apart. I will promise you stay in the Word of God and take consternation and become the believer in a culture around your teenage friends and your college, your college friends and your neighborhood that walk in determination because I've been with God. I've been with God. So many people will stay in that box because of consternation, but God says, I'm gonna bring something out of this because you're gonna be a person that lives in determination. Oh, can somebody say amen, oh me. After she hears this, he tells this is what's gonna happen. I can tell you the moment that Satan starts telling you something, there's a voice that's going to hit you. Like I promise you that it hit Mary, that teenage peasant girl. And Satan holds so many people in because then what happens, the voice of condemnation starts affecting you. It's supposed to be a nice little present, but now all of a sudden now we've got condemnation all over us. Satan will use the voice of condemnation to keep you from your destiny and to keep you from coming out of what God has for you. There are folks held by it right now. Let me just show you some of the players in here. And they were righteous folks that loved God. And the enemy used condemnation on them. Let's look at Elizabeth. You remember we talked about Zachariah and the angel Gabriel told him, said, I know your wife is old and she's beyond you know, bearing children, and you're an old dude. I get it. I understand. There's no fizz in the Coca-Cola. I get it. <laughs> just about the best way I could put it. I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> I preach them the way the Holy Spirit gives them. I'm sorry. That's all I got for you. When Mary, when Elizabeth got married, she felt immediate condemnation from the culture and even from Satan himself. Because in her day, women should immediately have children and she was beyond the childbearing years because she was bearing and for some reason, her reproductive organs could not bear a child. And we know that there was condemnation. Here's how we know. Luke one twenty five. we see... <laughs> We see, we see the words that she even declared. How kind the Lord, how kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. This is Elizabeth. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. The unbelievable pressure Satan puts on moms, ladies who want to be moms. There's something wrong with me the pressure that they feel. I mean, even today they feel that, but you should have been in that era because childness, ch child, childlessness 
carried a reproach with it in the culture she was in because it was a culture of blessing where the blessing was tied to birthright and to family lineage. That was a big deal to them. That you had an heir to give it to. There was an heir. So that was part of the blessing of God. And if you didn't have that blessing, then people were thinking there's something wrong with you. You have done something wrong. God is upset with you because you haven't produced the way you should produce. That was pressure on them. And on top of that, every woman was hoping that they would be fulfilling the messianic promise that Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, would come through her. And when a woman was not able to have children there, the, the unbelievable disgrace she felt. I'm telling you, the enemy is vicious on people. So here's one woman feeling the condemnation. Well, maybe I'm, I'm too old. Maybe I should just give up. God hates me. Can you imagine the condemnation that Satan puts on? And then, and then Mary, what about Mary's condemnation? What about her condemnation? My goodness, the condemnation she was going to get, according to history, according to history. <laughs> and you can even find it in Scripture where they accused Jesus of this. According to history, there were three theories concerning Mary's pregnancy. The first one was that this was actually Joseph's baby and that this teenage girl and this boy just couldn't keep their hands off each other. And they were fornicating. They were considered fornicators. How do we know this? Because you find them when they accused Jesus and they said, <laughs> well... We're, we're legitimate children of Abraham. They accused Jesus of that. So you know Mary has been hearing this her whole life as a teenage girl. I mean, she's a teenage girl. Into her, into her adult years, she's hearing this. Then some people believe that she might have had an affair. That was one of the theories, that she had an affair with somebody, and this was, this was the child out of that affair. She was unfaithful to Joseph. And then the third one was that she was raped by a Roman soldier. And so these, these things were perpetuated around Mary. Now let me ask you something. You go to church, you're a leader in the small group, and God all of a sudden decides you're gonna conceive, and you declare you're a virgin, and you show up to youth group pregnant, and you say, is God. God did all this. And you go to your little high school and your little friends are snickering around the corner. You, you, you just consider the unthinkable condemnation that Mary knew she was going to receive out of this. And her boy heard it. Well, we're not illegitimate. They're sitting there mocking Jesus. Think about that. When the voice of condemnation will keep you from coming out, there are some of you in this room right now that you have listened to the voice of a condemning parent, a condemning preacher, a condemning culture. Not good enough. Why can't you be more like your brother or your sister? I mean, that voice continues all the time. The voice. So what does this mean? This means... When you hear the voices of condemnation, can I, can, I, can, I, can I tell you what to do? It's real easy. I do it at my house. It's real easy. It's not Brenda. When I hear a condemning voice on TV, you know what I do? I change the channel. This is not rocket science. When you're in the car and you're listening to the radio and there's a song that begins to condemn you to live like the world, you know what I do? It's not hard. You, you, you don't need to have an exorcism 
and bind demons. You just go like this and you can change the channel. You gotta change the voices you are listening to immediately. Immediately. I'm telling you, I'll just be honest with you. I, I don't listen to a lot of news. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not disconnected, but I don't feed myself on that stuff because, buddy, it'll have you so thinking this world is going to hell in a handbasket. Christians have no hope. They hate us all. She changed her voice, and all of a sudden she said, I don't need to listen because she knows this is coming. <laughs> listen, <laughs> you're the leader in the youth group, and you show up and is God. They were condemning her, mocking her, making fun of her, would for the rest of her life about her kid. Even probably when he was crucified, they were saying it. But she chose to listen to a different voice. She said, I will not listen to the voice of Satan, the voice of condemnation that says, I can't. God will never use you. Why did you follow God in the first place? Instead, she went from the voice of condemnation to finding my identification. Not that you always need to find the voices that you got to hear. What you really got to find is you got to find who your identity is and who you believe you're really going to be. She decided to go to the voice of identification. Look at Gabriel's words to Mary about Elizabeth. Look at what he says. Those words are coming to Elizabeth. Look what he says to Mary. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say, they used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. They used to say this, but look what God has done. They used to say this. And Mary knew her identity was in who she was in God. And the voice you got to listen to is you got to listen to the voice of God. Because Mary said, I know the condemnation is coming, but look in verse 38. She said, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. Everything you have said about me come true. May everything you said, so what does that mean? That means there was a voice that she was listening to and it was the voice of God about her identity in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, in a world that's losing its ability to even know its own identity, it is now more important for you to realize that your identity is not in your car, it is not in your possessions, it is not in whether you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, it is not in your career path, it is not in your spirituality. Your identity is in one thing. It is in Jesus Christ and him crucified, for greater is the one that is inside of you than anything that is in your world. The thing is, is that people don't realize if you surround yourself with the voice of consternation and the voice of condemnation, if you don't flip it to determination, and if you don't flip it to my identification in who God is, I am his servant, and that's the bottom line for me. I'm here to please one, and it's God. You may not like this message. That's great. My identity's in God. You may not like my sweater. My identity is in God. This sweater didn't make me. You may not like that I'm a pastor. No problem for me. My identity is not in my position. And when you surround yourself with the voice of consternation and condemnation, then here's where the person begins to go. They begin to go into one of the most dangerous areas you can ever go into. Isolation. Mary could have gone into isolation. 
You want to know one of Satan's major tactics? You just want to be in a room all by yourself, and you don't want nobody to bother you anymore. You're in big trouble. I don't care who you are. Preachers that don't have anybody else around them to challenge them, to grow them. Believers that say, I don't know. I, 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 this is Satan's primary tactic. You've cut off your conversation with your parents. You slowly start disconnecting from the small group. Isolation. Now, I'm not talking about when God wants you to have solitude. There are times when God wants you and him to be alone. Don't confuse the times where God wants solitude, where there is no other voice but just you and him. You must have solitude, just you and him. I get that. I, I, I love that. I, I, there are times I'll get in my car. I don't want to hear the radio. I don't want to hear no preacher. I just want solitude. God wants to be just you and him. That's one thing. But when you begin to see your life disconnecting from that word and those right voices, when all of a sudden you find that you can make it without consulting or having communion with God in prayer and having conversations with him daily, Satan's taking to isolation. When, when all of a sudden the word is not as important as your, your feed in social media and who's the latest thing and that's where I'm going more, that I have more thumb muscle than I do spiritual muscle. I just preach them the way God gives them. I'm sorry. And then you find yourself disconnected. I don't think I want to be in church anymore. I, 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 that church, that church. I don't think I need to go to that youth group. I don't want to be in that young adults ministry. That's all, they're all hypocrites there. They're all hypocrites. That's why I don't go to church. They're hypocrites there. Yes. All of us are here. We are all here. We, all of us hypocrites are here. We all got a little hippo in all of us. Okay? And then when you start disconnecting, and I'm going to tell you what really created this, and I thank God for our, uh, you know, our, our, our social media. You know, we've got online groups all over the country. I mean, they're watching right now. Groups are watching. They're, they're collected in homes watching. They're having church together right now. And Pennsylvania, they get involved. I mean, we could do a service, something to serve and to bless people. They're, they're doing stuff, drop shipping stuff from, from stores here before we can go minister to people. It's crazy. It's great. It's wild. But what I have watched COVID do is bring people into a place that it's now convenient for me to separate from God, from the body, from fellowship, and from people. And people say, well, can I go to heaven without going to church? Well, you can. You can go to heaven without going to church. Absolutely you can, because it's not church attendance that gets you into heaven. Works can't do it. But it's not God's intention for you to go without the body of Christ. It's not his intention. I like something. Dr. Tony Evans said, I just love it. I just want to read to you, I love it so much. He says, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And they are absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone, in Christ alone. But you don't have to go home to be married, but stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. <laughs> we don't learn tolerance for each other. Seriously. I look at some churches and I wonder, I don't want Grand Rapids to be first, the first, Grand Rapids first to be a church just like Pastor Sam, where everybody in here is just like us because this is how we are. I want unbelievers to make this place their home. I want people who think we hate them to make this their home. They'll learn something, we're gonna love them. 
We love you like you are, but we're not letting, Jesus won't leave you like you are. I mean, if, I mean, I, I mean, the last place I checked where, where people only want groups where everybody's just like them, wear the same clothes, do the same chant, wear the same clothes, have the same mantra. They're called cults. I want people in this place from every race, every background, every age, every kind of music, every kind of song, every kind of look, every nationality, every ethnicity, every race. I want them gathered right here. This is where I want them to be. Satan's idea is to disconnect you from other believers. Take my word for it. There are some of you watching online, and you're all by yourself. You want nobody else around. I'm just tired of church and tired of people. I'm sorry. Some of us, there are a few granolas in the house of God. Fruits, nuts, and flakes. There's a few of us in here, amen. We're all part of this, okay? God's strategy is to connect you. And not just be together in this big old room. Some of y'all need friends. You need voices around you, friends. We're not perfect, but you need a family. There's some of you that have been transplanted, jumped from, from church to church. I, you, I'm sorry, we're not the perfect church either because you just showed up. <laughs> we were doing fine till you attended today. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now you're offended by that. I don't know, I can't win. I'll keep my mouth shut up here for a minute. <laughs> but you need people in your life. That's why I encourage people, singles, Go to the young adult ministry. Moms and dads, get your kids in the youth ministry. Those you single adults, start a small group. Get in a group. 50 plus, come on, get in a group. Those you mature believers, get in a group. You need each other. In fact, there's small groups happening every Wednesday night here. I tell people, get in them. We have small groups online. Pastor Mike Fusaro, pastors, they beat every Wednesday online from around the country. They're a small group ministering to one another. Find a group. In fact, this Christmas, we have Christmas small groups. I mean, go, go on there. Go on the, go on the app. Just, just focus on Christmas and Advent. You need people in your life, everybody. And the reason why you need it is because Satan wants to isolate you, especially as he knows. Listen, when I watch this world, Jesus Christ is coming soon, friends. It's not going to get better around here, but it's going to get better for the believers in the body of Christ because Hebrews 10.25 says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. So what did, what did Mary do? She could have isolated. They're, they're, I, 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 need, I need to hide. I need to get away from here. What are they going to think? I, I can explain. Okay, I trust God's promise, but I'm going to get away from people because the most judgmental people in the world are in the church. So I won't even show up there. But she didn't do that. God took her from my isolation. He says, you need some good godly associations. Are you grabbing this? Some of you are in the box because you are in isolation and you need to start associating with people that will help you find your greatness to come out of your spiritual box. Look what she did. Look, look, verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried 
Everybody say, hurried. <laughs> this was important to the hill country of, of Judea, to a town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed this girl would not turn loose. She believed that the Lord would do what he said. You say, Pastor, what am I supposed to do? I feel condemnation. I feel consternation. I feel isolation. Get back to association with God's people. Start running to people who run with God. Just, listen, just because someone tells me they're a Christian, I get, I get all kinds of people go, I'm Christian, I'm Christian, this is Christian, Christian. Just because they say they're Christian does not qualify them to speak into Sam Reifkogel's life. I qualify the voices that I need in my life. I tell people, run with people who are pregnant with the Holy Spirit dream inside of them. Get around them. It may not even be given birth yet, but it's just a dream inside the heart. Run with people who have gone through the flood and through the fire, but they're not bitter. They're not cynical. They're not angry at God. They're not haters, but they still trust God and they still have worship. Get around someone that when you share your dream, something leaps in them and it makes something leap inside of you. Look at Elizabeth for crying out. Look at the associate. Elizabeth, look at what she did. She celebrated Mary's pursuit. She said, I'm so glad you're here. She stimulated Mary's faith. The word of the Lord, you have believed. She cultivated her greatness and said, I honor you because you are blessed. God's got a plan for your life. Get around people that honor you and cultivate greatness. Get around people that stimulate your faith and celebrate you who you are. I am not going to get around people that tolerate Sam Reifkogel. I'm going to get around people that celebrate Sam Reifkogel, who celebrate the dream that is inside of me. You get around someone that celebrates you. I need friends around me that have a higher standard than Sam Reifkogel. I want somebody around me that has a higher standard than me. Because if Sam Reifkogel becomes the highest standard, then I am the lid for my own life. I am the lid of my own life. I want to put someone around me that will challenge me. Brother, do you think maybe you ought to look at it different this way? Have you ever thought about I want people that will lift the lid in my life. And here's what's happening. Some of you have been isolating, but God's getting ready to change some association. When God, listen, when God gets ready to protect me, let me tell you what he's done. Whenever God tries to protect me, he removes someone from my life. There's some of you God removed a relationship from you because he's trying to protect you. Well, he broke up with me. He did it on social media in front of everybody and said, I don't like her. Why don't you text him and say, thank you very much. God bless you. God did you a favor. Whenever God wants to protect you, he will remove someone from your life. Subtraction is as necessary as addition in your life. Not everybody has to like you or approve of you. I don't need everybody giving me likes on social media. It's not a big deal to me because it's not my identity. 
And when God gets ready to bless me, he always brings a person into my life. Stop isolating and say, God, get me around people where something leaps in them because something you have birthed inside of me. Okay, I'm getting ready to close. She refused to isolate. The last wall that holds people in is the wall of accusation. Man, have I ever wanted to accuse God of not doing it the way I think he should have done it. (laughs) That's not the way it's supposed to go, God. It didn't take long. Because there is one called the accuser of the brethren and the cisterns. Sisters. Mary could have accused God. She could have gone, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. I'm young. I didn't ask for this. And who in the world's going to believe this story? Yeah, God got you pregnant. She could have done that. She never, she never accused God one bit. They're going to impeach my character, God, the rest of my life, and they're going to accuse my, the Son of God. They're going to accuse him. They're going to crucify him. She never accused God. Pregnant? Pregnant? you got to be kidding me. Not right now. I mean, Joseph, I mean, we just, not now. We're not ready for this. And then you want me to ride from Nazareth to Bethlehem on a donkey? You want me to go 90 miles on a donkey, pregnant with cankles? I didn't ask for this. What and now and then and then when I when I have the baby, you mean we're going to have to run for our lives? Because a demon possessed guy by the name of King Herod is one to slaughter and murder my little baby. You want me to give birth to him so they can kill him? And then innocent kids are going to get killed? Are you kidding me? What kind of God are you? See, there's a lot of times when God brings the package the way that it's not bows and it's not wrapping and it's not the way that it's supposed to be. That you can really accuse God that's not how it's supposed to be knowing that her son is going to be accused and face what she's facing, knowing that they're going to spit in his face, knowing they're going to mock him, knowing they're going to strip him absolutely naked in front of everybody and whip him until you can't even recognize your boy's face. This is not the way it's supposed to be, God. You were supposed to bail me out. You were supposed to fix my marriage. You were supposed to do this. You were supposed to heal me. You were supposed to do it this way. You are supposed to vindicate me, God. I followed you and I wanted to stay true to you, but God, this is, God says, let me do something out of the box and let me do it my way. Mary never brought accusation. In fact, her response was, I am the Lord's servant. You are my leader my master, my God. May everything you said come true. Do what you want with me because I'm yours. 
And when you come to the place that you really, that you really are his and that you really do trust him, this is supposed to work different, God. They were supposed to come apologize to me. You know that I was right and they were wrong and everybody around me says the same thing. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. But she refused to be a spirit of accusation against God. But instead, she chose to have the spirit of adoration. <laughs> Look at her song. George Wood last week referred to the Magnificat. In Latin, it means to magnify. She began to magnify. And this is what came out of her voice, out of her mouth. Verse 46, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of a lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. And he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. Every teenager, I want you to listen to me just real close. Just look at Pastor Sam for a minute all over this room. This teenage girl all of a sudden just didn't start grabbing a hold of God. Because when she quoted that, in ten, in ten verses, in verse, in ten verses, this young lady quoted six Old Testament passages. She was quoting from Psalms, from Genesis, from Habakkuk, from First Samuel, from Job, and from Micah. This girl had been in the word that she responded when trouble comes and I want to have the voice of isolation, the voice of condemnation, the voice of consternation out instead of out of accusation is going to come adoration because I have stayed with him. I have walked with him. I'm a teenager, but I'm going to walk with him all my life. I don't, I have never, I, though I'm telling you who I want to meet. I want to meet the parents of Mary. Because somehow, some of you dads and some of you moms say, Pastor, you have no idea what it is to get my kids up and drag them to church and to be in the, and to get over there and then to be in the youth ministry on Wednesday and to bring them. It's, I'm just wore out. We got all these things. Can I just say to you, you are making the greatest investment in sacrifice that will not fade. Something her parents did. Now this girl had been working out with the weights, five pounds, 10 pounds. And when the pressure of 300 pounds of the burden of the world just is thrown in your lap, you've been working out. She starts singing. So what's Christmas about? Come on, everybody. It's about singing, <laughs> right? You find yourself singing the goofy songs. Come on, it's about singing. Go ahead, sing the goofy songs. I don't care. You're not going to hell. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Only hippopotamus will do. Yes, that's what they do. They do everywhere. Go ahead, sing it. I don't care. Grandma got ran over by a reindeer walking home from home. Go ahead, sing it. Be goofy. Have fun. It's what it's about. 
But I want you to realize something. Being a Christ follower is about singing. It's about adoration. And when you can't remember to quote the scripture, and you can't remember the voices of people that told you something great's gonna happen, and you're sitting there, and you say, where is God? Just start singing. Because eternity, it is about singing a lot. So go ahead, have your fun. You sing your jingle bells. But you remember the joy behind all of that is Jesus. You go ahead and have your Santa Claus. God bless you. He's, I, I consider him the clown at the party, okay? He's just the clown at the party. But you got a savior you got a reason to sing about. You go ahead and sing your Rudolph, Red Nose Reindeer. Go ahead, have a blast with your kids. But you got to remember the whole motivation is my adoration, my adoration toward a Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And here's what I want you to notice. Some of you feel like, I just feel like my life is in a box. I just feel like there's no hope. Those walls are there for every man, every woman in this room, everyone watching online. And sometimes when you hear all that consternation, the condemnation, the isolation, the accusations of Satan, you hear all that, you wonder, where, where is God? Isn't it funny how Mary, as a teenager, kind of probably pointed to that when she goes, he took notice of me, a lowly servant. So I'm going to tell you something. You may think you're off his radar, but he's taking notice of you. And can I give you one piece of advice? Can, I, can you take, no, no, not my advice. I want you to take the number one piece of advice Mary could ever give you. You ready for this? At the wedding of Cana, his first miracle, look what Mary said. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. You want to succeed? Just do whatever Jesus' words tell you to do. And you know the favorite word I like he said? For God loved the world so much, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believed in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is therefore now no condemnation to those in Jesus. How many thank God we're coming out of the box. We're coming out of the box. Coming out of the box.